What's up, everyone? Welcome to a new week of Locked On Bucks, and maybe it's panic time. I, I don't know. I'm scrolling through Twitter today, Justin, and I am seeing a fair amount of stress from Bucks fans. We're going to get into that, including the latest loss to the Brooklyn Nets. Yesterday, we'll look ahead to a game with the Charlotte Hornets, but there is plenty to discuss as the road to the postseason has begun. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Goal for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. Joining me, as he so often does, except for when he falls asleep like he did the other day and I ended up going solo. From the Bucks Radio Network, it's Justin Garcia. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's BetOnline where the game starts. And of course, Justin, we thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks the first listen of every weekday. Uh, maybe if you're a Bucks fan, not the happiest... Uh, good morning to you as you start your week. But Justin, th- let's get back to that. Uh, more than anything, I'm just glad to have you with me. Last week, we didn't podcast. I think it's the first week in maybe two years that we haven't podcasted. <laughs> I was lost without you, Justin. Yeah, I doubt that. And that was uh, that was on me. And I guess uh, we saw what happens when uh, when we don't get together for a week that we thought, okay, the books are going to come out of the uh, All-Star break energized and it was a. It felt in many ways. I know we'll get into it, but it, it felt like a mirror image of the 76ers game going into the All Star break. Yes, it was uh, a sleepy start for the Bucks uh, when it comes to the energy stakes. Let's just say that they lose one twenty six to one twenty three to Brooklyn. We can get into that uh, a little bit further. I will say this though. Full disclosure, Justin. Uh, I've just been out for lunch. So speaking of sleepy, it's uh, 3.30 on Monday afternoon as I'm recording this in Australia. Now, Monday for me is typically my more quiet day. I work through the weekends. Certainly, you know, through the week I work. I'm obviously doing this here right now. Uh, but I am, I'm drinking a beer right now, Justin. I went out for lunch uh, with my parents and, and I'm kind of in that weird spot now where it's 3.30 in the afternoon. And I'm like, well, do I record this podcast and just go to sleep? Or do I just keep my options open, have a couple of beers, see what's up? So if there's anyone in Australia watching this podcast, this is a very terrible beer. This is a very cheap beer. So don't judge me for this. But sometimes whatever's in the fridge, uh, you just have to drink. And there will be some Bucks fans, if they drink, Justin, that will tell you after watching that game with the state of the Bucks season where it is, uh, a beer might be an appropriate drink to have while we have this discussion. Yeah, I think they'd be having uh, more than one Um mm. I I've been somewhat surprised and maybe it's just um, being on this show and kind of saying a lot of the same things you and I throughout the year that uh, when I have the post game show and some other things that I do, most of the interaction I've gotten this season has been, yeah, let's just wait and see how this goes. Like it's, it's not where I thought this team would be, but most of us that were really panicking last year, maybe we learned our lesson and all right, let's, let's give this team some time and see 
uh, how they round into form here. And that's kind of been the consensus in terms of feedback that I've gotten from people throughout the season. The 76ers game and uh, the game against the Nets on Saturday night, it wasn't a full-scale shift, but there was more and more of, you know, they got to start playing better. Like, we, we can't continue to say, hey, got to clean up turnovers and got to do this uh, going into the month of March. Because I know me personally, when it was starting to look really bleak, and I think back to last year, too, where it was, it was around this time on the calendar that the Bucks were really – kind of going through what they're going through now where they were around 12 games above 500. And this was after uh, the all-star break or just in front of the all-star break. And then they went on that run, but uh, they were excellent in the second half of the season. And I had kept pointing to, well, just get to the all-star break. Maybe they'll get healthier. We didn't see the Pat Connaughton injury coming, but maybe they'll get healthier and and who knows what's going to happen with Brooke, but maybe it's just that second half schedule that they'll kick things into gear if you were in that party, this was not the start that you were pointing to and saying, okay, this is what's going to turn everything around because it was more of what we've seen throughout where it was, you know, basically uh, third quarter, they played very poorly in second and third quarter this time and uh, turnovers. It feels like most of the times we point to the Bucks with a really, really bad loss. It was, it's usually turnovers and what the opponents did with points off of turnovers. I think it was 27 that the Nets had. There was one stretch where the Bucs had three straight turnovers and they were by Giannis, Chris, and Drew one by one. And the Nets turned those into eight straight points with five coming from Seth Curry. It seemed like every time the Bucs turned the ball over, the Nets hit a three on the other end. So uh, there's there's still just a lot that needs to be cleaned up. I think there's a number of things that go into it. Uh, George Hill is, is certainly surprising what we heard from Bud coming out of the All-Star break, but it doesn't help to have him. And the injuries in the bench, I mean, I'm just going to continue to point to that, that you don't necessarily want to be the top scoring bench in the league because that usually means your starters are bad. Most of the good teams or, or most of the teams in the bottom 10 are, are actually good teams. But what the Bucks have gotten of late, it, it's it's unacceptable. You can't have routinely 13, 14, 18 points from your second unit. I think it was 13 that they got against the Nets. And, and that's just been happening way too frequently and it it really feels like that bench is just kind of running out of gas that you look throughout the year of everything they've asked for them to do and plug in the holes and moving guys into the starting lineup because of injuries it seems like it's just taken a toll on that bench where they've run out of gas and now you look at the group that played for that second unit against the nets you're not getting any offense from that group when it's carter and serge abaca and all of those names that are out there so um, I don't know where you go from here, but it, it certainly was an encouraging start if you pointed to things will be different in the second half. Yeah, we always talk about the Bucs and the guys that are out of the lineup. And for sure, you can point to Pat and George Hill and Brooke and these players that didn't play. And I do think, obviously, Brooke Lopez, but Pat Conan has had an incredible season uh, for the most part. So you take those two guys out and it does feel that the margins are a little bit slimmer for this Bucks team because they are just relying so heavily on Giannis and Chris and obviously Bobby Portis had an incredible game against Brooklyn. But let's not pretend that Brooklyn weren't playing without Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant and Joe Harris and Blake Griffin wasn't out there as well. Regardless of what you think about him, he's a rotation guy that's going to play. So the injuries weren't an excuse in this one. And I will say, first game out of the All-Star break is always pretty scratchy. And for the Bucks, if you're going to miss 
as many free throws as they as they did down the stretch. Now you mentioned uh, your radio colleagues there, and I was listening to the last sort of seven eight minutes of this game on the radio broadcast as I was walking to my other job. And Ben Brast, I, I it felt like he was about to lose the plot in the in the radio booth when they were missing free throws. I know Drew Holiday missed a couple. There was Samala uh, that would clutch down the stretch. And there's no doubt that this game wasn't impressive. And even if the Bucks won, we probably still would have been having the same conversation. Uh, but also, just hit your free throws, as uh, as my Aussie friend Lee Ellis would say. Practice your free throws, kids, and the Bucks would still win this game. And right now, winning games is important. But I think the bigger picture, as you sort of pointed to. Uh, things are looking pretty pretty scratchy for this team. Yeah, I, I was going to say, and you just pointed it out there too. I mean, yeah, at this point, who cares how ugly it is? You just need to start to pile up wins. Now, I think a few people have have started to to really lean in on the doom and gloom and say, hey, it's only I think three games that separate the Bucks from the play in tournament, and it might just be two games in the loss column uh, with the Raptors. Um, I would still be very, very surprised. I know they have the most difficult remaining schedule. I'd still be surprised if the Bucks made it down to the play-in tournament. <laughs> um, but that's the reason why. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if it's an ugly win. You just need to start to pile up wins here because at this point, you're four games back in Miami. There's 21 games left. And you're kind of in that spot now where – Winning the Eastern Conference is probably exiting very rapidly now. That four games in, in in 21 is a lot to make up. So you're just mostly concerned with let's build up some wins here and make sure we're not at risk of sliding down to that seven line in terms of seeding elsewhere. I mean, that's, that's the interesting thing about this year is last year we knew one through three, these were the three best teams in the league and figure out the seeding from there of do you have home court against whoever is going to finish in that 2-3 line? Do you have home court throughout? What would your second-round matchup be? This year it's the opposite, where you really have no idea that not only are you looking in front and to the side of you, but you're looking at the teams behind you too, that you know you could have a team like the Bucks or the Nets in the play-in tournament and then representing the seventh seed where all of a sudden you got to worry about that. And there's going to be one team in the East that has that hellacious draw where maybe it's the nets that they have in the first round. And then you look ahead of what would greet you in the second round. It would be the Sixers and then the conference <laughs> finals of the Miami heat. So one team is going to draw the short straw. And I think it's really just that of, as you look at things now, the spot, the bucks are in, we've kind of joked about it, but if the bulls and the bulls have the second toughest remaining schedule, if the bulls can somehow win the Eastern conference and you're the bucks and you stay on that four five line, even if you're at five and Cleveland is there with you, that might be the best path you have to say first round matchup is the Cavs, second round potentially is the Bulls, and then you figure it out from there. The Cavs are a team that I would have an eye on uh, for real slippage as well. They've obviously had some key injuries. They might be the team that ends up slipping into the play-in and Brooklyn come in. I agree. I don't think the Bucks are going to get to that point, but having said that, I don't think we can rule out anything and just based on well, the way they're just based on the way they're playing i would say that yeah. they would be more likely that they would be in the playing tournament than they'll be a top two seed yeah i would agree with that yeah. um and i mean just the schedule they have left and i know i was one of them that said well it, it, they seemed to help them last year so maybe having the toughest schedule and a lot of difficult games that that might help you where we've hmm. seen the bucks play better when they get up for the opponent 
if that's just littered throughout your second half schedule, maybe we'll see him play a lot better. Now, uh, you didn't technically see Kevin Durant, so maybe it didn't apply to that. And it's not going to be until next week when you get the Bulls in the heat, the uh, teams one and two in the East and back-to-back games that then they'll start to kick and the Phoenix Suns too. So uh, it is a brutal stretch they have now. And, and maybe that'll ultimately be good for them. I'm with you where I, I would watch the Cavs for any slippage, even the Boston Celtics who have been the hottest team in the league. And all of a sudden the 538 has them as the darlings and the favorites to win the NBA championship. But even they have started to have, some head scratchers. They lost earlier tonight to the uh, Pacers. I think they lost to the Pistons out of the break too. So there are some teams and, and really what Boston has done. That's the reason why we're saying, and could the Bucks slide all the way down to the playing tournament? Because if the Celtics didn't do that, they're the team that's down there at seven right now. And it, it's a couple of games separating them. And by the way, obviously, Kyrie Irving, again, we've been talking about this the whole way, whatever these changes are, whatever the changes are going to be moving forward, I pretty much at this point fully expect that by the time the playoffs roll around, he'll be playing every game. So obviously he looked pretty good in this game against the Bucs. Let's say that. So I think that that would be a concern if you have a fully healthy Kyrie Irving there. I tell you what, the Bucs just need to eat built Bar, Justin. I, that's what I would suggest. And they'll be able to find that energy, that effort. Jason Kidd will be very pleased with this Bucks team while he's looking on from Dallas. Uh, but it is the time of year that some people have given up on their New Year's resolutions. But that doesn't happen if you eat Built Bar, particularly if it's a dietary uh, New Year's resolution that you're going to there. Uh, these bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's 100% real chocolate. They're low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. Their typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. You won't get that with Built Bar. You're looking at 130, so about half the calories in a Built Bar. So that's why they're good for you. They taste so good, and uh, you will love it, whether it's mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, uh, you can find all the great flavors, including this month, white chocolate cookies and cream, which sounds pretty delicious. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Of course, make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast as well. Uh, Monday to Friday after the games, you'll get little recaps from all the hosts uh, across the league. So make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast after you listen to Locked On Bucks. Uh, let's talk about this roster, though, where it's at. I mean, you mentioned the bench. And again, uh, like I said, there's no uh, Pat Connaughton that you hope will come into the rotation. George Hill obviously becomes very, very important. As you pointed to, Bud said he's going to be out at least another week. This neck issue is concerning. He's an older player. Let's just say that. So durability for him was always going to be a concern. He was playing big minutes at the start of the season. And I remember discussing it, saying that this is concerning that George Hill needs to play this much, but it was the nature of the season. It was the nature of the COVID and the disruptions and all those types of things. But I've always been pretty steady with saying when people were getting really angry about the DeMarcus Cousins stuff, and by the way, the DeMarcus Cousins isn't an answer. But I always said, let's just wait and see what this roster looks like once we get through the trade period, once we get through the buyout market, and again, this isn't nothing to do with DeMarcus Cousins, but I think that we would all sit, not everyone, I'm not going to speak for everyone here, but I think uh, uh, certainly myself, I sit here and I look at what the Bucs were able to get. You lose Dante DiVincenzo when you talk about uh, the defense. We understand why they thought that Ibaka might be a player that could be influential, and he still could. I'm not writing out Serge Ibaka, but you lost Dante DiVincenzo, who is a guy that off the bench can get you double-digit scoring, Plus, 
he's a guy that you can play and you have no problems playing. The only other additions they made were Javon Carter and DeAndre Bembry. And I had a bit of pushback the other day on the solo pod when I said, look, I don't think that they're going to be guys that are going to really give you much in the postseason. I didn't see anything yeah. yesterday to change that. Now, it was only their first game. We'll see. I'm not writing them off either after one game. But it was kind of interesting that I'm sitting there watching this game saying, okay, well, these two guys coming off the bench are really having no influence on this game in a game that the Bucks end up losing to the team that cut those players a week ago. And it's like, it is it is at least a little bit troubling that you're like, well, the only real additions the Bucks made are two guys that one of their main rivals in the East cut to make additions to their roster. That is a little problematic. Yeah, so the the bench in the game against the Nets, um, Ibaka, Matthews, Carter, Bembry, Wigginton, and Wara. Uh, 13 points is basically what you can expect from that group. But just the names that we went through, I mean, Jordan Wara is the most skilled offensive player in that bunch. And the other issue is we've seen this a handful of times. The bench scored 13 points. All of those points came from two guys. So Jordan didn't score. Javon Carter, uh, Lindell Wigginton only played a minute, but he didn't score. Neither did DeAndre Bembry. And it, they've gotten to the point where the way the bench is constructed, until you get healthy, it's got to be somewhat similar to Bud's first year here, where I think people forget it in terms of scoring it wasn't a great bench that year. I think they finished 26th in the league in, in, in bench scoring and they averaged right around what they're at this year. I think they were around 30 points a game. They averaged that year, but that, that bench was built to say, we're getting the scoring from the starters second unit. We just need you to not give up leads. We're bringing you into play defense and hang on to the lead that that is there when we bring you in. So the way that they're constructed now with the injuries, that's what you got to do. And I, I thought Javon Carter was impactful in his minutes, but can you anticipate that from him every game? No. And I'm with you where I don't think Javon Carter is a playoff guy either. I mean, yes, you can point to, well, Jeff Teague played last year in the playoffs, but it would be that role where it's break in case of emergency. And if injuries or something else occurs, or it's just to close out the quarter, we need defense. Javon Carter plays. Um, At times watching that game against the Nets, I, found myself saying, you know, I would honestly just rather see Javon Carter than I would Wesley Matthews at this point because he was a really pesky defender. He was making an impact there. He caused a couple of turnovers, had another near turnover, caused an eight-second violation. And I think the matchup, the minutes he was out there against Goran Dragic, I think that's the ideal matchup for Javon Carter. Can you throw him out there and say, you take Kyrie Irving? No, you're going to get in trouble there. But for Goran Dragic, who's played five games, and is kind of getting back in the swing of things to put Javon Carter on him and say, pick this guy up full court, annoy him. It seemed to pay off. So I think you can use him for those types of moments. DeAndre Bembry, I know it's just one game, but I got a lot of Tory Craig vibes. And we remember how that ended in Milwaukee where sure he's, he's a skilled defender and, and very much touted coming in, but a lot of fouls. I think he had four or five fouls in the game yesterday. And look, Maybe that's going to change when he gets more time under his belt, but that's kind of on my radar is that's, that's kind of where they're at with the bench. And even when they do get healthy, I'm not expecting this to all of a sudden they're healthy. Here comes the scoring because we're talking about Pat Connaughton joining the mix and George Hill that 
you are going to get a boost, but I, you still don't look at it. You don't have that microwave score. So that's just how they're constructed. Now, the one thing I do wonder, I think overall, Serge Ibaka has been okay since he arrived. I wouldn't say he's been bad. I, I wouldn't say he's really made a huge impact. But if this continues to go on, and it's tough that you would have to penalize him, but I do wonder if eventually you just say, okay, what if we just start Serge Ibaka and we bring Bobby Portis off the bench to be that bench scorer, and, and maybe it's just two or three minutes into the game where you make that change and you can tinker how you uh, spread that out and stagger some of the lineups that Bobby Portis is in, but you have no other options in terms of finding any bench scoring other than that. No, and it's going to be difficult to to make a change at this point as well. We know the Bucks do have room to add a guy, but I don't I don't know. Yeah, at this point, who's going to come available that you think can actually help you? So they're going to have to just ride it out. And by the way, the offense is not something that I've necessarily ever been worried about with this team as well. And in this game, they still score 123 points. You got 104 points from Holiday, Giannis, Middleton, and Bobby well, Portis, who had 30 and 12. They they shot 53%. They shot 43% on threes. It was just the Nets, I think, took 14 or 15 more shots. That The next, the Nets didn't turn the ball over like the Bucks did. So they turned it over, and I think they missed seven free throws in the fourth quarter. So, uh, look, it is, as much as it's disappointing, and again, as we've gone over, these are games you got to win because of how tight the Eastern Conference is. The, the very, very thin silver lining that you point to is if they don't turn the ball over, they win the game. And they, they probably win by double digits if they don't turn it over quite as much as they did. And by the way, that last three uh, from Giannis, the turnaround, actually looked pretty good it, off, the, it, yeah. off the hand, the camera angle. I thought that there was a chance that was going to go down, which would have been absolutely absurd. Um, but anyway, we do want to talk about our friends over at Bet Online. Football is done, but basketball is in full steam, as we know. So you can get the latest odds, totals, player performance props, and also find where the next five coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. That BetOnline remains the best spot for the scores, the podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, and uh, plenty of other sports, including Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. It's BetOnline where the game starts. You did mention Wesley Matthews, and if you just look at the box score in this game, he played 27 minutes. Um, that's obviously the Pat Connaughton slug that he's got there. Um, I do think if everyone gets healthy, and again, it's a big question, and I've been on the record so many times, and I, I mentioned this on the solo pod the other day, that for the most part, I think that people listen to this podcast, and the biggest complaint I get about what I say is that I'm too positive. Uh, I'm, I'm always looking at the bright side of things. But I think I've been pretty consistent in saying that if the Bucs don't get Brook Lopez back, I don't think that they can win the title. Yeah. And I think we're just seeing the reasons why, because everyone else is just stretched to do a little bit more. You already pointed to the Bobby Porter stuff. That's that's something that I've been calling for for a, a couple of weeks. I agree with you. I think that Bobby can go to the bench and you start search and mix out, uh, start to figure out some lineup stuff. But as good as Bobby has been, and he's been absolutely awesome, I think in a perfect world for this team and this roster, he's coming off the bench. We saw that yeah. last year, how impactful he was. And then as we pointed to, everyone else has just been stretched. So look, uh, again, first game out of the All-Star break, 
I, I, any res, there's no result that really would have happened that would have shocked me. Keep in mind, the Nets did play a couple of days earlier, so they maybe you know work their way into it a, a little bit better. Maybe they're in better shape here. But as you pointed to, you shoot well and you just make some free throws and you probably win this game. So it is one that the Bucks will probably rue. But now they come up against the Charlotte Hornets team that, let's be honest, has given the Bucks troubles. And not just this year, not just last year, but going back multiple years with multiple different lineups that they've had pre-Lamello Ball, Kemba Walker teams, those Charlotte Hornets teams have been really, really annoying. And they're in a massive rut, which screams to me, danger game. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, we, we had both saw this before we started recording. What is it? I think they've lost 10 of their last 12, which... Yeah. You know, the old Bucks. whenever you see a team struggles like that or individual player struggles, you can already chalk it up to, well, there's going to be a loss or this player is going to go off on, on the Bucks. Um, and, yeah, that, like the the concerning thing is when you look at the schedule, the the Hornets, I mean the Nets too in terms of, of win percentage and record, but the Hornets and Nets are the two easy opponents that the Bucks have in the immediate stretch of scheduling after the all-star break and Brooklyn just beat you. Kyrie Irving was the best player on the floor in that game. Now you have the Charlotte Hornets who you mentioned have, have played the bucks extremely well the last couple of years. Obviously we, we know what they did last year and uh, what they did earlier this year in um, uh, the games that they played here and, and the terrific finish in the game we had at Pfizer forum as well, but this is just a tough, tough opponent for the Bucks, it seems like the last three or four years that they've played, the only time it's been a not worrisome game was the game that was played in Paris. So maybe it's just they got to get out of the country and the Bucks will play the Hornets better when that happens. That was pre-COVID. I was actually considering. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't say I love flying. Like, obviously, I've done a lot of flying in my time, but I don't love the whole experience of flying. So I've never been to Europe, and obviously, I'd, like most people, I'd love to go to Europe. There's so many things to see. There's so many cool things to do. So when I was in Milwaukee, I thought, well, an eight-hour flight, I think it's roughly eight hours from Chicago to Paris or whatever. And I was like, well, that sounds a lot better than 20-plus hours that you have to trek from Australia to get to Europe. So I was thinking to myself, well, I could do this Paris game, and Matt Velasquez, our friend, was obviously going over there for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and I thought... I could hang out in Paris with Matt for four days. That sounds delightful. And I decided not to go because in my head, uh, like most people know, when I was over there, I was freelancing, so I was paying for my own travel. So in my head, I thought, well, I'm going to have to pay for a lot of travel during this big postseason run that's coming up for the Bucks. So let's not go to Paris. Save your money for the playoffs. Of course, the playoffs never happened. And I've always sat here thinking I really should have just gone on that Paris trip and, and seen the Bucks and the Hornets and hung out there for a few days. But it didn't happen. Uh, two weeks later, I was back in Australia, and I haven't been near an air- airport in over two years. So that's, that's the way things go. Yeah, uh, it looked like a great trip, Every everything that I saw. But I remember uh, taking that game in from a side studio at the radio station and, and hearing uh, <laughs> Ted and our engineer, Ryan, regale me with stories about getting to fly <laughs> out there on Drake's plane and, and yes. just how great and memorable the experience was. So. Yeah, I felt really bad for the uh, the lengthy travel that they had and the long flight that they had there. But it's it's funny, too, to, to bring it back to the one thing I remember the most about that game was, um, I mean, obviously it's a huge deal to be on the global stage like that. And Giannis 
and the rest of the team getting to go and uh, get a chance to hang out with and meet PSG. But after that game, um, we would do radio interviews if the Bucks win. They give us a player, and the player for that game was George Hill. And he just had the most memorable quote ever because I don't remember what their record was after that, but it, it had to have been like, I want to say it was like 40 and eight or something like that. And um, George Hill was just in the midst of the interview with uh, Ted Davis at the time of trying to look up what their record was on that day. And so they were 40 and six and uh, Ted, Ted told him, Hey uh, George, how does it feel that, you know, you guys have played 46 games and you've lost six of them. And George Hill paused for a couple of seconds and said, what? You're 40 and six. That like that doesn't sound normal. That shouldn't be the case, but I guess we'll take it. And just hearing George Hill's reaction of, yeah, even the players recognize, like, holy cow, I kn- we knew we were successful, but 40 and six, like that is remarkable. A little bit better than 36 and 25. <laughs> but what I will say is, and I always bring this up, going back to I think it must have been 2016-17 or one of those disappointing Bucks seasons when there was a little bit of hope and the Bucks just could not get above 500. They kept mm-hmm. on getting to 500 and then they would drop a couple of games down. Not It might have been the season after the, they went to the playoffs, so 15-16 yeah. potentially. And uh, and now we look at it and when I was looking at the standings and I said, geez, 36-25, and 25, that's, geez, that's a pretty shitty record. And I was thinking to myself, well, they're still 10 games over 500. And so I get it. We understand why we all talk about this Bucks team the way that we do because they are a championship contender and we want to see them playing their best basketball and win another title because last year was awesome. And they may still do that. But they're still a pretty good team and we'll see if they can figure it out down the stretch here. But this schedule, you mentioned Brooklyn. So we'll see what happens with Charlotte. But like you pointed to, at home, this is a game that you probably want to get because you do have Chicago up next. Then you have Phoenix. Then there's OKC, a game that you should win, but it's on the road. They've been a little yeah. bit pesky. Then you've got Atlanta, Golden State, Utah, and a Dante DiVincenzo revenge game to deal with. So it's real. It gets real. So that's why, again, you, you really wish you could have made some free throws against Brooklyn, and you better get this game against Charlotte tomorrow or today. And uh, Utah is all of a sudden, I mean, it, it coincides, no, no surprise with Rudy Gobert returning, but Utah looks like the Utah Jazz again. So I, I think in the final 21 games of the season for the Bucks, I want to say eight are against the top six teams in basketball. So it's, I mean, we've talked about how difficult it is and you can say, well, the Bucks have the most difficult schedule remaining of any team, but eight games against the top three teams in the East and the top, actually the top two teams in the East and the top four teams in the Western Conference. Well, as we wrap it up, I remind you to check out the Locked On NBA podcast, which is a national show across the network. They'll keep you up to date with everything going on across the entire NBA. So make sure you check out the Locked On NBA podcast. And, of course, keep it with Locked On Bucks, Justin. We'll be back after this game against the Charlotte Hornets. Hopefully Milwaukee can get a win and we're rolling a little bit better mood as the Bucks start a incredible charge towards the postseason with a dominant win over the Charlotte Hornets. Sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like a dominant win that starts the run of, hey, remember that stretch 
where the Bucks won like seven in a row? Because I think that's ultimately everybody that's panicked. That's what they're looking for is just give us one stretch in the final month of the season where you win six or seven or eight straight games. All right. I'm going to keep drinking beers and I'm either going to wake up tomorrow with a hangover or uh, it's 3.55 p.m. or I'll be asleep by 7.30 p.m. tonight and uh, and I'll wake up fresh tomorrow and have a, a nice productive work day. So we'll we'll see. But I can let everyone know what happens on the post-game pod tomorrow night. Make sure you check it out. Frank Madden will be back. I know he's got some thoughts on what's going on with the Bucks right now. So we'll be able to listen to that. But Justin, I appreciate you. Thank you for uh, thank you for taking the time. You said you owed me one in the text when you apologized the next day, which is absolutely absurd. You've done a podcast with me at least one a week for the last two years. You owe me nothing, but it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. All right, we'll be back after this game. Bucks and Hornets. Frank will be here. Post-game pod. Make sure you check it out. We'll speak to you guys then.